listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Another episode recording this on a Sunday after the Lakers beat the Spurs 103-96. Top spot in the Western Conference. Yes, it's only six games in, but they're sitting at five and one. Don't forget, this is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, you can check us out on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, I it. We are there. Don't forget to subscribe. You can leave a rating. Hopefully, I'll leave something less. That's entirely your choice, too. But don't forget to subscribe and go to silverscreenandroll.com where we got you covered for everything Lakers, news, stats, opinions, analysis, you name it. We got it. Joining me today, a man whose name you'll see a lot on Silver Screen and Roll, also does the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, what's going on, my man? I'm enjoying a fun Lakers team. Yeah. This, this has been fun. I, I, so I started covering them in the Dwight, Ware, Dwight Mayer season. Like, that's when I first started doing this. So... Over the last, like, seven years or so, it has been a long time since I've actually liked a Lakers team. And, and I actually really like this group. Yeah, it, it's been it's been fun to watch. And you can tell there, there's a certain type of energy around the team, too. And and it's kind of funny, like, compared to last season, and I was, I was watching this game, and the whole time I was like, yeah, the Lakers are going to win. I didn't really have any... Hmm any fear that, that they were going to lose the game. Whereas last season, you're like, all right, who's going to make the mistake and who's going to, you know, there's going to be a dumb turnover or a bad shot that's going to cost them the game. But I, I agree with you, like having this team and watching them get to play night in night out, it's been friggin' fun over the last, you know, week and a half here or two weeks, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a likable group. Like it's, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this in 2019, given how 2012 went, but Dwight Howard is spearheading the likability of this team. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's an actual thing, <laughs> but here we are. And, and, and he was incredible. I, I actually used, I made this comparison on locked on Lakers where let's see about three years ago, I walked away from silver screen and roll. And I was, I was thinking about walking away from this entire industry altogether. I just kept doing locked on Lakers out of mostly habit or whatever. And, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. I, I was going to have to like sell insurance or something like that. Oh no, and, you don't want to be doing that. Right. Well, and and so I, I, you know, in in feeling like I lost this thing, as I found out that I actually didn't lose it, and Locked On Lakers has had some success since then. I, you know, it it it, it generates a love for this thing that I legitimately love now that I don't know I would have had had I not gone through that. And watching Dwight play basketball right now, and Kobe kind of alluded to this with uh, talking to Arash Markazi of the LA times where he said Dwight thought he lost this thing. And for a lot of these NBA players, their first love was basketball. And for Dwight, his first love was basketball and he thought he lost it. And you watch him play nowadays and he's relishing whatever role he can have because he didn't think he was going to have an NBA role. He thought he was going to be done. And it's been really cool to watch this kind of redemption arc with somebody who, by the way, was probably one of the most hated players in the NBA among the, the Lakers fan base. And and here he is, like I said, spearheading the likability of this of this Anthony Davis and LeBron James Lakers roster. It's wild. Yeah, it's 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 been so fun to see. And I remember in the in the preseason, Dwight had a couple of games where I was like, Oh, okay, like this this guy's he's he's looks like he's he's for real. I mean he's basically reconfigured his whole body the guy looks like he, he's a freaking statue right like the way he's sculpted but and if you don't know i mean as, as i said earlier we're recording this just after the lakers beat the spurs 103 96 uh dwight howard awesome again today 14 points 13 rebounds uh seven of seven shooting i think close to i saw on twitter 
percent for the season from the. And you mentioned you mentioned that watching him play, like I saw that. I'm like he just ha- he's having fun again, and I think people yeah. lose perspective on this. And 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 you mentioned this about Dwight too, about yeah, people didn't like his attitude, and he wasn't a very well respected player. He he was great for his stint in 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 Orlando. He was awesome, right? Like a, a perennial MVP candidate for four mm-hmm. or five seasons there. But when you look at him play. He, and I always say this, I'm like, it's a maturity thing. And I always think it was that with Dwight, because when you're growing up and you're, you're dominating and kicking ass at, at basketball, everybody's sucking up to you. Everybody wants a piece of you. you got people all around you all the time who are, who are catering to every need of yours. And then you go to the NBA and all of a sudden now you're making, you know, 15, 20, 30, $40 million a year with endorsements in your contract. And he never was. And I think for him to go through the experiences that he had going to, to, to Charlotte and an afterthought, a cast in, in Atlanta and, and not being wanted in Houston. It was humbling for him. And I, and I for one, like, like you mentioned, this is like, I, I got up out of my chair today when he had one of those putback dunks. And I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm enjoying seeing this too. So when you look, do you think, I mean, I don't know if it's sustainable to average a double-double every game, but how long do you think this will go? I think this will be a permanent thing. We'll see for the Lakers all the way through the season. Well... The cynic in me wants to know what he looks like after his contract is guaranteed or or after he starts finding out that like teams are now interested in, in him all over again. You know, that I can't help but be cynical about the stuff because, you know, well, 2019. But we're all uh, cynical, I, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think though that there it feels like there's something real here. And maybe maybe it is just, you know, my own hope that there is something redeemable about everybody. And, but but there it does feel like he understands now the type of player he has to be if he is going to be a part of a winning team again. And so you talked about back when he was in Orlando and at the peak of his popularity, right? He had the, the Superman, Superman uh, thing, yeah. Yeah, he had the Superman dunk contest. They went to the finals that, that year and really were a Courtney Lee missed layup away from a very interesting series with, with the Lakers back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then, the reason why he was so good was he was predominantly a dominating presence defensively and a just unguardable rolling presence on pick and roll. And then the further he got into his career, the more he tried to convince people that he was this like back to the basket, Hakeem Olajuwon 2.0 type player that he never was going to be. And now the reason he's so valuable with the Lakers is he doesn't ask for post touches. He doesn't, he doesn't demand that he get the ball in the post. He recognizes that his value is in short bursts of energy, just being a dominating presence at the rim and being a his screens have been incredible this year and he just he knows what he should be and i think and i think once a player feels like they lost something and then comes back here and identifies the role that they are best at most valuable at that's when that player takes that next step in their career and i think we're actually watching it here with with dwight and you know hoping that i don't put my own foot in my mouth and while knocking on wood I, I really think this this feels sustainable. I really j- legitimately feel that way. Yeah, and I, I'm in the same boat as you. And it, it's funny, like I've done podcasts and I've had people question me before on Twitter too. Like, okay, at what point do you, do you look at putting Dwight into the starting lineup? I don't think you do. 
And, and I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, well, he, don't get me wrong. He's playing way better than JaVale McGee. Like, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You and I are that. playing better than JaVale McGee. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting here with a, with a beer in my hand watching the Lakers play, and I'm, I'm probably contributing more to the team than, uh, yeah. than Dwight Howard is. But it, when, when you look at it, like, are you happy with the fact that he's coming off the bench? And, 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 or would you look at it and try and start him at this point, too? I, I think... I think I probably start him. I made this case for uh, I made the case to start him uh, in on, on silver screen roll last week, and basically my thing is, so the starting group that that starting five lineup across the NBA they tend to play at least three times more minutes than any other combination of of players across the roster, and it's just because like that's the only regimented lineup that you know you're going to go to. Right. Other than yeah. the team, other than the lineup that you think you find over the course of the year that is actually the team's best lineup. Right. And and I think in this case, there's value in getting Dwight to play alongside those guys right from the get go. But I also I also think that there's something to keeping that carrot in front of him and keeping him, you know, forcing him to to chase this thing, chase that adoration that he has received so far this year. I mean, he has to love the other night. He came off the bench to an, an actual standing ovation. That was an actual thing that yeah. happened that, that uh, I think he really enjoys. So I think there's points to be made on both sides of it, but I think just in terms of efficiency with that starting group and given how much starting lineups tend to play compared to other lineups, I would probably put him in that starting group. Oh, okay. I, I like the fact that he's. I like the fact he's coming off the bench for now. I think it's a lot of it depends on on Kyle Kuzma. Uh, his second game back, he played 16 minutes against the Spurs, two for seven from the field. It's going to take him time. I'm not going to sit here and, and rag on Kuzma for not being up to speed and and you know contributing 15, 16. But I think when you look at that start at that second unit. Uh, with 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 Kuzma coming back, obviously I think they desperately need an offensive option, and I, I think he'll he'll provide that. But I do like the fact that they're bringing him off the bench because you can afford to start Javale McGee for five minutes and then play him five more minutes in the in the third, and that's it. And then you've yeah. got AD as the option at the five, and I just think Dwight brings the. He's not going to do it every night, and I think people should maybe temper expectations a little bit. I, I think that he's not going to be a twenty-point game. You know that no. those days are long gone. But he has like today, he was seven for seven from the field, fourteen points. He has the potential to do that, and I just think he provides providing that off the bench for this team might might be something better. Another update yeah. for y'all, just in case you, in case you didn't know. Uh, Avery Bradley did have to leave the game. Uh, good news, the MRIs came up negative, so he's just dealing with what looks like it's a contusion. Uh, he was great today as well. Seven for nine from the field, mm -hmm. 16 points. Um, taking the worst shot in basketball, which is the mid-range jumper, but he's hitting it, so you can't, you can't really complain about that. Uh, when, when you look at, at the Lakers' new guys, how would you rank them in terms of their, their contribution so far, in terms of Avery White Howard? What uh, well... In terms of the new guys, I think Anthony Davis is is pretty good. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but no, I it, like to actually answer the question. I, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm a smartass. Well, that's good. I enjoy it. <laughs> but but I think so. In order to to answer the question, you have to kind of take into account expectations as well. So, like that's why Anthony Davis doesn't really apply here because the expectation was that Anthony Davis was going to dominate. I think Danny Green has mostly lived up to expectation, but in terms of new additions that have exceeded expectations, I think Dwight is far and away number one. But I also think 
you know, Avery Bradley and and knock on wood that this is actually they are saying it's a contusion. They they ran x-rays and they all came back negative. So knock on wood that, that he's actually healthy. But, you know, Bradley, the the last few years has been a bad NBA player. Mm-hmm. He's kind of bounced around. He hasn't been very productive. And listen to Clippers fans talk about him, and they would think you would think you're talking about Rajon Rondo, but, <laughs> but but he's but he's actually been very useful for the Lakers and his approach. And it's the same thing that it's it's a version of the same thing we were just talking about with Dwight, where he also probably felt like he lost this. He probably also felt like yeah he he was riding high with the Celtics. He got traded and then got hurt and wasn't maybe sure that you he was ever going to be healthy again now he's healthy and was playing really good point of attack defense and is now apparently hitting shots so yeah i i think he's vastly uh out outstripped expectations but beyond that like you kind of look at the other guys troy daniels has been kind of a downer so far quinn cook been kind of a downer as well uh but those two guys like dwight and 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 bradley those are two really cool stories that I, I really hope Laker fans really buy into. Yeah, and, and you're you're right there, man. Like the way they um, the way they bounce back, and, and again, like you said, the uncertainty of knowing, am I going to be in the league next year? And and I think you saw that with with Dwight because it's got to be humbling at a point, man. Teams are buying you out; they don't want you around. You're getting yeah. contract offers for four million dollars when you were making, you know, where if if you were still at the level you were at, I know it's tough to say for because big men age differently, but. Um, you know, you'd be looking at making 30 million a year. And, and I think what they're going through and, and like I and this is one thing that you, you mentioned off the top is watching them play. They're, they're just they look like they're just having fun. And, the, yes. and that's and I think that's a scary part for the rest of the NBA. This team's sitting at five and one. And, I, and before the season, I'll admit coming into it, I'm like, OK, it's going to take them about 10, 15 games to figure everything out. You might be looking at nine and six. 15 games in. I think they got lucky that they have a bit of a cupcake schedule for the first month or so of the season. But um, the way they're feeding off each other, it's like this doesn't look like a team that just started playing together in in August, you know, in, in September, yeah. getting ready. It looks like they, they've played together for, for a long time. And I think having those guys in the roles that they're in right now, and of course, at the top of the ladder, you have friggin' Anthony Davis and LeBron James, two of the best five players in the, in the NBA on the roster right now at this point. I think it makes it easier for those guys to have fun because there's no expectations on them. Yeah, I, I think so right now you kind of look across the NBA and you look at the teams that had expectations coming into the season. Utah stumbles out, you know, stumbles out of the gate. Mike Conley went like one for 21. He's picked things up, you know, since then. But but he kind of the expectations like the, the burden of expectations hit him. It felt like and and it took him a while to get his feet under him. The Denver Nuggets look miserable right now. Mm hmm. Like it looks like Nikola Jokic finishes games and then goes straight to Krispy Kreme to just sadie, you know, <laughs> with a uh, pack of Marlboro Lights and just sitting there yeah. having a good time. <laughs> right. You look at you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and same kind of thing. They're just trudging through what the NBA season is when you have expectations on you. The Lakers had expectations, and they they use those expectations. I, this is where the value of LeBron being on your team actually really kicks in because he's had expectations since he was like 16 years old. So the the idea that expectations would become a burden for him, not really something he's all that worried about. And I think he's really kind of helped this team not, not just not look at expectations as a burden, but as a challenge, look at those things as, as, Hey, let's actually enjoy this. Let's actually go. We have this cup cupcakes schedule. Like you're talking about, 
let's really attack the schedule, take care of business. And going into Dallas, going into San Antonio, those are two big time wins. And 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 like you said, it looks like these guys are legitimately having fun. And I don't know how many teams across the NBA you can actually say that about them right now. And it's 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 really refreshing because the last like six or seven years, it hasn't been fun to watch the Lakers. My my wife now I've been doing this, like I said, for about six or seven years. And it used to be I would tell her, yeah, the Lakers play tonight. I'm, I'm you know, I'm probably going to be busy. And she just kind of like roll her eyes and say, oh, all right, fine. That's part of your, that's part of our life. Now. <laughs> but now she's like, she's telling me she wakes up. She's like, it's game day. Let's do this. This is a great fun team. And I think we should all really enjoy it because these things, you know, I just asked the Denver Nuggets. These things don't always last. No. And, 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 and you're right. It's like the, the, the way the, the look, and it, it almost felt like even last year, it was funny. I mean, the young guys, I feel like were a little bit looser and a little bit more fun, but when you look at last year, it, it was just like, a, it was kind of a downer mood. You know what I mean? They went on that little run before Christmas. And I think that was the high point of the season, beating the Warriors in Golden State on, on Christmas day. But obviously LeBron getting hurt, put a bit of a dark cloud over that. But when you look at this team, like it, it didn't have that. And it's funny, like I, I, and again, this is wildly surpassing my expectations because I thought yeah. coming in, they're going to struggle out of the gate. They might be, you know, sitting at six and four after 10 games and just figuring it out. But they seem to have figured it out pretty quick in terms of how to play with each other. Now, is it sustainable? That remains to be seen. I, and we talked about the, the schedule. I, I think there's a realistic chance that at the 20 game mark going into Denver on December 3rd, the Lakers could be looking at something along the lines of 17 and three, 18 and two. And I don't think that's that far fetched. Whereas uh, you're looking at last, LeBron's going to have to learn to going to look and right now it's like the question marks that we have which we'll get into is they're they're minimal compared to compared to what you feel the confidence in the team and like you mentioned your wife it's like it's fun to watch them play i'm looking forward to it whereas last season yeah you know especially as we got towards january february we were kind of like okay this is probably not gonna be a very good game when they were playing teams like the knicks and the Cavs. <laughs> and now it's like i want to see this because i want to see the lakers win by 30 yeah it's 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 a it's a blast my question marks facing this team is like what route they'll take for the parade I'm I'm kind of wondering how that's going to look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jumping the gun already, huh? <laughs> no, no. It's just that look, we we've gone and so I was actually talking to uh to a friend of mine about this uh yesterday. We were we were out and we were watching the UFC fights last night, mm -hmm. and it was like between fights, and we were just kind of like sitting there just having fun and talking about whatever we do and. And the thing I, I told them, and it, it's actually kind of funny because I think I think kind of the theme of this conversation has been rebound rebounding from feeling like you lost something, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think for Laker fans, we have been outrageously blessed over the course of our fandom lifetime, right? Before the last like six or seven years, and these six or seven years, like you 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 go through stuff like this, you go through an experience like this. And it really makes you realize, like, God, this is what it's like to be a Knicks fan, huh? <laughs> like, this, like, this is what it's like to, this is what it's like to root for a team that is just rudderless and 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 utterly inept. And you come out the other half of that, you, the other the other side of that struggle, you come through the the light at the end of that tunnel, and you say, Wow. Like I should have enjoyed the three peat more. I should have enjoyed the 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 back to back titles more. 
and and now you have this opportunity to enjoy this all over again and it makes for like Lakers Staples Center has been rocking mm-hmm. in these in these stretches where the Lakers go on the run in the third quarter it has been absolutely rocking i i walk around i i don't live in LA i live in Orange County and i walk around i remember the first time i left the house and i just happened to be wearing like a Lakers shirt or something like that and i went through the drive through at in and out and the person who uh, was was taking my credit card, like, saw that I was wearing a purple Lakers shirt. He's like, all right, we got this tonight, right? It was opening night. We got this. Lakers fans, like, let's go, you know? And, and, and there's just this excitement that comes with the experience that Lakers fans have gone through over the last six years where it, it, it felt like we were just going to be stuck watching the... Jordan Clarkson's of the world for the rest of oh, eternity. Man. Like we felt like we were going to be stuck. <laughs> it felt like we were going to be stuck hoping that Lonzo Ball would be like okay from the floor one day. And now here we are watching this team that's a legitimate title contender and I think there's value in the experience that we went through to get through to where we are right now and and it's been it's been really cool to watch Laker fans take acceptance and 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 uh understand what it is that they get to watch now in ways yeah. that they probably didn't before. No, you're, you're right. I mean, you could see the energy at Staples Center. Like, you know, like you mentioned, like Dwight makes a big play. Everybody's up on their feet clapping. It, it, it's People have been waiting for this for a long time. And, yeah. and, and I'll say this, the NBA is always better when the Lakers are good, right? It's like you look at the at Major League Baseball. When the Yankees are good, the, the, the league is better for it because people are going to hate on the Lakers and you, you, have a, you have a legion of fans, obviously. Um, and it's funny, like I, I live in L.A., I live a 10-minute walk from the Staples Center. And, and when I'm here, it's like, yeah, there's an energy and a buzz in, in the city when the yeah. Lakers are playing that wasn't here that wasn't here last year. And obviously, I think Anthony Davis helps that a ton, too. But I, I almost think like – and I, I wouldn't get into this. We'll get into it after the break. But I want to touch a little bit on magic. And, and let's get into that after this okay. show break. All right, and we are back. Uh, wanting to touch on uh, Magic, Anthony. How much of a negative impact do you think he had on, on the not just not the team in terms of the roster, but in terms of the the atmosphere with the team? Like, do you think not having him there kind of lifted a little bit of that negativity from the squad? Because right now, Rob Palenka looks great, man. Like choosing Dwight Howard over over Joe Kim Noah and and Marcin Gortat. These guys, it looks like he's hitting on all the right moves. Magic to me, represented everything that was wrong with the Lakers. It was, he was given, he was given his role because he was magic. He was given his role because it was this shortcut to get Laker fans back invested in this thing that they, you know, that the Lakers felt like Laker fans were walking away from. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't hired as president of basketball operations on, any kind of merit I get if we were if we were to to hire Magic Johnson based off of merit like what would that actually be he was just he was a tremendous and he remains like let's be honest like the, the, let's make sure we keep this real he remains probably the most important Laker in the mm-hmm. history of the franchise and mm-hmm. that's that's never going to change in terms of him as a player but in terms of like why the Lakers thought he was going to be this great president of basketball operations, he was never good at anything that involved more than just throwing money at the problem, right? He, he, his stint as Lakers coach was bad. His, his stint as, as a late night television host was worse. And, <laughs> God, and, don't remind me of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like those things were disasters. 
and then his time as president of basketball operations was was somehow on par with with those previous failures. And I'm not saying this to like pile on him, but you know, to answer the question, like what what role did he play in and where like the where the Lakers are right now? It's it's that thing where are you a Star Wars fan? No, no. Oh. <laughs> I've actually never, I haven't seen one of the movies. Sorry, yeah, that's probably disappointing too. I know, but I've, I haven't even seen a minute of one of them. But I mean, I know the names, right? Well, well, like in a, a, a critical line from the last Star Wars movie or one of the last couple Star Wars movies was, "You have to kill the past. Like you have to move on from the past. Kill it if you have to." Yeah, you know, and and I think Magic Johnson kind of re- represented that theme of the Lakers had to move on from this idea of just sheer Lakers exceptionalism. They had to move on from the idea that they were going to be great just because they are Lakers. And while Rob Polinka has his job because he stood next to Kobe for 20 years, he, he still understands like there is work that goes into succeeding at the level of elitism or, or the, at the elite levels of the NBA that Laker fans expect the Lakers to operate at. And, and I think it took going through magic Johnson to kind of get to where the Lakers are. Now they were humbled. They had to move past him. Not after they moved past him, he crapped on them on ESPN. Mm -hmm. You know, you had, they had to, I think, go through all of that to now get to where they are right now, where they all understand. Like if, if we are going to compete with the, Warriors and the Clippers and the Rockets and the Sixers and all of these very modern NBA organizations, like what it's going to take is kind of looking in the mirror and breaking some of those bad habits. And I thought Magic served as the peak bad habit that the Lakers had to break. And I think they're better having gone through that. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And you know, you you mentioned it. And again, I'm not hating on Magic Johnson. I mean, I, he's he's great, a uh, great basketball player. And it's funny. It's like I I see him getting the props for being a great businessman. It's like, okay, first off, he has money. People are going to come to him. He's a celebrity <laughs> right. and say, can you? It's not like everything he does. Billionaire like, makes money, isn't exactly yeah, like, a groundbreaking headline. Yeah, and, and, and that was the thing. Like he talks about, and I've I've heard him. I mean, I I don't remember specifically when. But he talked about being a successful businessman. It's like, dude, you're not the one sitting there crunching the numbers, making the right. decisions. You're just investing the money and, and everything's turning to gold. It's like any sports franchise you're a part of right now, the value's increased tenfold because that's just what the market is setting. So I, I do feel that he he got a little bit too much love. And I'm glad the fact that Jeannie Buss uh, had the foresight. And I mean, I know he quit, but she maybe she had to go through that. But it's like you want to be a forward-thinking organization, then you have to let go, like you mentioned, and kill the past. And it's like that line from uh, in um, Moneyball where, where uh, Brad Pitt playing, playing uh, Billy Bean, and he's like, adapt or die. And I feel like yeah. the Lakers were slow to do that, and I feel like now now they are starting to do it. Uh, let, let's get into this to, to wrap things up. Talking about, okay, the team's 5-1. and one. I don't want to be the negative guy, but like you mentioned, it's 2019. This is what people do. It's the rage culture, so get with it. It's okay. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're playing bad. Um, is there any holes in the team that you see? Because for me right now, uh, that first game against the Clippers was a bit alarming in the sense that I don't think this team has the depth right now to say they're, you know, they're a champion. They're, I think they're a championship contender as is, but I think a lot would have to go right in a seven game series when you're playing against a team like the Clippers. Like when you look at the bench, it's just, it's been a little bit too much up and down. So that's, that's why one concern I have for the team is do they have enough, especially in the perimeter positions at, at point guard through, through the three spot 
um, who who's going to step up and, and how they're going to do it. So for me, that's one negative I see. The other is a little bit of the ball movement gets a bit stagnant, especially when they go to uh, Anthony Davis in the post. There's a lot of standing around. So you want to see them kind of cutting more. There was one play today. It didn't result in a, in a basket, but Davis caught it. Caruso cut to the cut to the hoop. He got he got it. The road the defensive guy came over, rotated. He was able to kick it out to KCP for a three. He missed it, but it was an open shot. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they, they have it there. But those are my two concerns right now. And again, it's only six games in, so I'm not going to act like the sky is falling. But when you look at it right now, is there something you would want to change with the Lakers? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's followed me on Twitter understands that I, I enjoy complaining. Okay, um, <laughs> I've but, seen that as well. Yes, I noticed that. <laughs> but all right, so here's here. I'll I'll say I'll. I want to, before I get to the holes that I see in the Lakers roster, point out that there isn't a perfect team out there right now. Mm -hmm. So those holes are less important this year than in seasons past because all of the legitimate title contenders have holes. You go, so I, I, right now, I think there's about, well, heading into the year, I thought there were eight uh, title contending teams, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Clippers, uh, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Sixers. Sixers, and the Rockets. Like those were my eight teams that I thought were had had legitimate cases to be title contenders. Obviously, now the Warriors are out of that. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the Western Conference this year. Yeah. Um, so now you have seven teams that are all title quote unquote contenders. And every single one of those seven teams have legitimate questions facing them. The Rockets turn the ball over at rates that we have never really seen before. <laughs> like James Harden and Russell Westbrook are two of the more careless ball handlers that the NBA has ever seen. The uh, 76ers, who I believe are still undefeated, yeah. uh, well, they, they are incredible defensively, but... If Simmons is reluctant in shooting the three, well, then over the course of a seven-game series, like that's something that you can really poke a hole at, right? We all remember Kobe guarding Rajon Rondo as if he wasn't on the court in those old Lakers-Celtics series. Uh, and you, and I can go on down the line here. So like while, while the Lakers obviously have questions facing them, and I agree with both of your concerns, I, I do think it's worth noting that every other title contender also has questions. So the 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 question here becomes not necessarily about the hole in the roster and, or the hole in the team makeup itself. More are is that team capable of of filling that hole? So for the Lakers, I think wing defense is a legitimate concern, and like you said, ball handling is a legitimate concern. I think ball handling is something that's going to fix itself the more Alex Caruso plays. Wing defense is something that's going to fix itself as soon as Memphis wises up and finally <laughs> yeah, wins. Yeah, I was going to say that too, yeah. <laughs> Andre Iguodala. Uh, so the Lakers have ways to address their holes in, in, in ways that I'm not sure all of these teams are going to be able to resolve some of their team issues. Uh, so, so yeah, I think there's problems with this Lakers team. But for right now also, <laughs> there's value in just enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> Just like stop and smell the roses and enjoy the fun along the way while also noting that all of the title contenders, like there's no, there's no Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green warriors out there. There's no dream team out there that is just 
ender of worlds that every team has to bow in front of. Um, and and as a result, it makes for this. It makes the season very unique. Yeah, it does, man. And and it's it, like you mentioned. There's it's this is the first time I would say since maybe 2015 that I'm like I have no clue who's going to win the championship coming yeah. in. And you mentioned you mentioned some of those teams. It's like yeah, you you typically knew. I mean, obviously we went through that phase of yeah, it's going to be Golden State and and Cleveland. But I mean, even when the Lakers were winning back in in 09 and, and 10, it was okay. The Lakers are going to be there. Um, you're going to have teams like Boston up there and you kind of knew it was maybe about four teams that could win it right now. It, it's wide open. And, and like you mentioned, it's time to actually just sit back and say, all right, you know what? The Lakers are five and one. I'm expecting this it, load management pending and injuries pending. Of course, I'm expecting this to be a 55, 60 win team. And so I think the, the good thing with, with the Lakers right now is they're only six games in, they're just scratching the surface, but they look really, really, really good. And, 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 and you mentioned, yeah. You mentioned some of the other the other teams in the West. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's like trying to find a partner, man. Every woman has flaws. You just got to find whatever one is the, is the best <laughs> one. And I think you're seeing that with uh, you're seeing that with the uh, with the Lakers with the with the teams in the West and the Lakers right now. Like I mentioned, like I do think Andre Iguodala that that will solve so many problems for for this team in terms of okay, here's an option off the bench. The guy can he's going to hit some open threes. He's a great defender and he's a veteran guy. He knows what he's doing. And then you mentioned the ball handling thing. And I'm asking this to be the smart ass too uh so you don't think rajon rondo is going to be able to help the uh the, the equation there or no uh probably not i <laughs> you, you want my you want my crazy conspiracy theory it wouldn't be a it, it wouldn't be an anthony Irwin appearance on a on a podcast if i didn't offer up a conspiracy theory <laughs> Let's but hear it. yeah i'm so i think rajon is obviously probably actually injured first and foremost but how would you tell he was actually injured given how bad he looked in the preseason. You know? Yeah. So like in, in practice, we were, we got reports that Avery Bradley was knocking the ball away to a point where he was told or, or opposing ball handlers were told like, don't dribble next to Avery Bradley. Well, the person that Bradley was going up against for the vast majority of preseason and training camp was Rajon Rondo. So, like, I, I think he he's probably actually dinged up. He probably actually has this, like, calf strain or whatever that it is that they're pointing to or whatever. But it also could just be that he just doesn't have it anymore. And I don't yeah. think he's actually coming back in the way that, you know, Frank Vogel likes to lead us on to believe that he's actually coming back. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, too. I think we saw... Like that Boston, I, and again, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, that Boston game where you hit the hit the game winner last season uh, on the road there, it was like that was the high point. And I don't I don't know what why some people, and I know a lot of people in, in Lakers land don't really care much for Rajon Rondo, and I, I'm of that too. I'm like, he's not really going to help. And, and like you mentioned, it, maybe he just doesn't have it, but he's a good guy to have in the room. He knows the yeah. game very well, and he can, he can coach up the players, and he sees things, but... Yeah, his body just—I mean—he just doesn't seem like they have it. And you look at the impact of the uh, of some of the numbers of these guys that they have playing right now. It's like, who would you rather having have him going in ahead of? I mean, I, I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. Like yeah. KCP's defensive rating has been great. Alex Caruso last season, the team was ten points better per hundred possessions having Caruso on the court than Rondo. So I don't really know where where he fits in, and and I don't think people should get their hopes up when he does come back. But I mean, there are guys like you mentioned, the Troy Daniels. I think that experiment's going to end pretty quick. With yep. the way he's shooting, I think he's something like outside of the Utah game, he's something close to three for nineteen or three for twenty. Mm -hmm. 
it, they need that one more guy. And I, I'm with you that Iguodala is going to to be that that uh, problem solver when whenever he gets bought out. Hopefully, you know, in, in December at some point. But I mean, guys like Quinn Cook, guys like Tory Daniels. I don't think you can have them a part of your rotation as a championship team. Yeah, I mean, the, the Warriors found that out with Quinn Cook. Like, yeah, they had yeah. Quinn Cook on their team, and he was terrible in the, in the finals. Um, I, I think, so I, I think this buyout season is going to be fascinating because there's going to be so many teams that consider themselves finals contenders. So the buyout season is going to be very seller-friendly, and as a result, what you're probably going to see is instead of a buyout season, you're probably going to see a lot more active trade deadline. Uh, but look, whatever the Lakers could get, if it is Andre Iguodala, like he was live tweeting a Laker game the other night. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. <laughs> so like, you know, he wants to be a Laker. The, the NBA knows he wants to be a Laker. The Denver Nuggets, for example, know he wants to be a Laker. And the people that I have kind of spoken to that, that follow that team closely, have been told like they know that the Lakers really want Andre Iguodala and there's value in potentially trading something to make sure that the Lakers don't get Andre Iguodala. The Clippers feel the same way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that actually, you know, plays out. But, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think the, the ball handler thing, Rajon Rondo serves a purpose. Uh, and to this point in the season, I know this sounds really harsh and I have, I would never root for someone to be hurt because these athletes make their livelihood off of their body. Yeah. But to this point, the role Rajon Rondo has played has been a lot more meaningful than any role he could have played on the court. And, and all the Lakers, like he's had teammates throughout the NBA talk about how smart he is and. And NBA GMs think that, like, one day he's going to be an NBA GM. He is capable of beating, like, five people at one time at Connect Four. He's, like, this really <laughs> – he's really smart. You know, yeah. I, I – he, he actually has that in his repertoire. It's just a matter of, like, does his – can his body keep up with his mind? And, and at this point, it's been a pretty resounding no. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that, too, and I just think it's time for him to – uh, right off into the sunset and, and do what his, his post, you know, post career aspirations are. And like you mentioned, he's going to have some times where he can, uh, he, he, he'll, he'll have opportunities, you know, whether it's front office, whether that's coaching, whatever it is, I, I do think he'll, he'll get a chance. Uh, we'll wrap up on this, Anthony. I mentioned this and we talked about it a few times, the Lakers cupcake schedule, uh, Miami's off to a great start. They're playing at home to Miami on Friday. The Raptors, a tough team to play against, obviously not the same without Kawhi and that Golden State game now without Curry. Uh, maybe even Draymond Green looks like it, it should be damn winnable as well. But you're looking at it at the 20 game mark. What do you think the Lakers record will be going into that December 3rd game against Denver? Because I'm legitimate. I'm going to say this. I mean, I think they only have a one back to back in there somewhere. They play on a Tuesday and a Wednesday against Phoenix and, and the Dubs. But I'm looking at them being something like 17, 3, 18, and 2. 17, 3, 18, and 2. As insane as it is to to agree with, because that's a crazy number to jump out to, I actually see it too. The thing the thing that Anthony Davis allows you to have, or, or Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like those guys are so good that they are just going to be better than the Memphis Grizzlies of the world. Like the Lakers didn't play well in San Antonio. They didn't, like they turned the ball over like 18 mm -hmm. times. They shot yeah. the ball. They shot like 25% from three-point range. It wasn't a good game, but they won. You know, they they, they and 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 I think uh, the 
Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so long as those guys are healthy together, they're going to be good enough to beat the vast majority of the NBA's teams. And and yeah, I think eight, 18 and two, 17 and three is 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 a perfectly a perfectly reasonable uh, thing to hope for. I wouldn't say it's the thing I would expect, but I think it's something that the Lakers are very capable of. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that too. I mean, it's it's hard to say that. Well, yeah, 100. percent This team's going to be. But I can see it. And it's like last year, I, I would not be able to confidently say that this team is going to beat every team it's supposed to beat. But with the veterans they have and, and with the, with the top-end talent they have, uh, I just don't see how they lose to maybe a couple more games, whether it's fatigue or playing bad, you have an off night. I just don't see any of the teams they're up against over the next little while being able to beat them. Anthony, thanks again for coming on and doing this, man. I know this is our second one, but l- l- let's try and do it again for sure soon. Anytime, man. Anytime you need a you need a, a host, let me know. This is a lot of fun. A- everybody who's listening to this right now, make sure you guys check out the rest of the shows across this feed. We're all doing uh, really good work across the feed. Jas, you're you're tip tops among the five of us. No, it's a, you know what? It's a, I'm I'm glad and I feel lucky to be able to do it with you guys. And like you mentioned, I said subscribe to our podcast network, the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, we are anywhere you get your podcast fix. You can go on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. You name it, we are there. Don't forget to follow us. And, of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. We have you covered for everything you need, Lakers, uh, whether it's an opinion piece or or breaking down things in terms of the statistical standpoint. We got everything there. A great team of writers. So, uh, Anthony, thanks again for doing this, man. And and you know what? For the rest of y'all, we'll catch you all next time. Lakers, 5-1, and baby. All right, going into Tuesday against Chicago. Like I said, at 20 games, we're expecting this team to be 18-2. and That's my prediction. We'll see what happens. I hope you all have a good night.